Hello and welcome to Cashflow Candy, episode number 32. Today, I bring you Yvette Adams from The Creative Collective. The next recording interview that you hear, I'll actually be over in the Greek islands. <laughs> I love saying that, especially when I know that Peter and I are going over there child free. If you are a parent, a mum or a daddy, you know exactly what I mean and the level of excitement that we have right now, right? <laughs> Uh, to be able to go on holidays and be able to sunbake all day because our little boy, you know, we need to be with him at the moment while he's in the pool. I haven't sunbaked for three years. I'm so white. To be able to sit there and have cocktails and go out all night and not have to be home at a certain time because your little man has to go to sleep and sit in the hotel room and be bored. (laughs) We can go out every night for two weeks. It's just going to be just sensational. So, um... I've been cramming my clients soon, actually, because if you think about this, my mastermind program that has, you know, the high level women, the diamonds, they have, you know, private coaching, they have VIP days where they come over to my home office. And, you know, my diary is planned a year in advance. We have about 30 women in the mastermind program. So I've got to make sure that my diary doesn't interrupt theirs. So to be able to book this last minute holiday and to shuffle things around without disturbing anybody um, has really stretched me. But I tell you what, it's going to be well worth it. (laughs) When I get back, we're going to be kicking straight into a stack of events. I have my brand new public speaking selling from the stage program that's coming on out. We also have the Herpreneur event coming up and you probably know the Herpreneur event. It's for female entrepreneurs in the startup to growth phase. Doing it different this time, we're going to be live streaming so you can watch it anywhere around the world. And then finally, my brand new release of an event for women that are over the six figure mark. So we're talking about women that are multiple six figures to seven figure businesses that really need a place to go to be educated and they're past that startup and growth phase and now really into scale and dominate. So it's going to be my pleasure to be able to host that event, to be able to get some incredible speakers and to really help get your business hat to that next level and really help you play even a bigger game. So let me show you more about Yvette Adams before we actually have her on. She is a serial entrepreneur, a multi-award winning businesswoman, including Telstra businesswoman, uh, Commonwealth Bank business owner category. She actually won that in 2010. In 2013, she actually took away the Woman of the Year Award for the ICT. Um, And she is a twice published author and is regularly called upon in media as a commentator, as a keynote speaker, facilitator. MC for events. She is all over the Asia Pacific. If you even just Google her and go into YouTube, you'll see a stack of interviews on this lady. Most recently, she is presenting a brand new show called Young Entrepreneurs, which can be viewed on Brin. Brin is an education app for entrepreneurs. You can download it for free. 2015, she was recognized for making a significant contribution to science and innovation in Queensland and was placed in the Innovation Champion Hall of Fame. And in 2016, she was named as the Digital Champion by Queensland Government. What you're also going to walk away with is besides Yvette continually just spoon feeds you with so many great tips. She goes, oh, this is another great tip and this is another thing they should know. And if you're listening right now, she does this all the way through. But guys, also on top of that, she gives some great content on how to really get your business going, getting money in your business through business tenders and going onto the government websites and council websites. She talks about the awards. I ask her, what are some things? 
things that women can do right now to get awards under their belt. She also gives advice on business partners and partnering up. There's a stack of gold nuggets you're going to find in this interview. Sit back and enjoy. Let me introduce you to Yvette Adams. Hi, this is Annette Lakovich and you're listening to Cashflow Candy. Join me while I interview successful entrepreneurs, business specialists and share the ultimate information, helping you increase your sales, doing what you love. So let's start making some candy for your business. So Yvette, welcome to Cashflow Candy. Um, it's absolutely fabulous to have you on. One of my um, my new PA, Mimi, she's actually tracked you down and she sent me through some information about you and she knew that I'd love you because you have uh, grown three businesses and you're a mother of two. <laughs> so I always talk about growing businesses and having babies at the same time. And um, I think it's the biggest change of my life. Um, So I would love to just kick off with that and welcome you to the show and ask you, how have you managed to do all this with two kids? Yeah, um, thanks for having me on the show. Um, Good question. I meet lots of women who I think it's a very creative time actually when they're pregnant. I don't know what it is. There must someone should do a study into that. But um, they not only create human being, but they sometimes create a business. I think also though they're looking for um, a means to earn income, mm-hmm. which means they don't have to go back to the traditional workplace and traditional work hours at a physical location. It gives them that flexibility to be a mum and earn money. And so that's what it was for me. Um, it's probably worth noting along my journey, I have actually created six businesses and sold two. So my first ever business was when I was 17. It was a newspaper, which by an American guy after just my first issue. So I did my first deal at 17 around a boardroom table, not knowing anything about what I was doing. And it was a really bad business deal, but I learned a lot. The second one was an online t-shirt business I created in 02, which, you know, I knocked up a HTML website really badly because I was self-taught, put PayPal on and sold t-shirts. And I remember trying to sell them to people and them saying, what, putting a credit card online on this thing called PayPal? What's that? That's the I'm not doing I was a bit of a pioneer then and didn't even realise it. Um, So my third business was the one, the Creative Collective, that I created 10 years ago, and that's when I created it around the kids. So at that point in time, 2007, I had a three-year-old son who was a terror of a child, or I should just say a boisterous boy, but, you know, Mm -hmm. turn your head, he's definitely doing something dangerous. Um, And then a little baby girl who was literally seven weeks old when I started the business. So I started the Creative Collective sort of out of desire. Um, I wasn't the sort of mum that wanted to go, that was content and I, you know, totally respect other people who are content with being a mum and making that their full-time job, but it wasn't enough for me. I mm. felt like going to morning teas, play dates, I needed more. So I needed to keep working my brain and utilising my skills and thriving. And then if you're happy, you can be a good mum as well, I figure. So I started the business from home, and just started offering um, services where I had skills. So I say, in some ways, I'm a jack of all trades and master of none because I had run events, I'd created websites, I was an average graphic designer and so on. And at that point in time, not many people offered the full range of creative services, certainly not in the Sunshine Coast where I'm based. Um, mm-hmm. So that's sort of how it all started and um, grew from there. And did I read right that the the year that you started your business, not only did you have a baby of seven weeks old, that was the year that you actually moved countries as well. Is that right? Uh, no, moving well, moved countries a couple of times in my life. So I'm originally from New Zealand, and mm-hmm. then when I was 11 years old, my whole family moved to Australia right. after less than a year 
Yeah. As a teacher couldn't find work, we all moved back. So that was difficult at the age of 11 when you're just going to puberty and, you know, mm. making new friends. But teaches you a lot as well and definitely forming the person I am today. I'm always the first person to go up to the new person or the person from another country and make them feel welcome because I know what it feels like. Um, when I was 21, um, I went to the UK and used London as a base for seven years and I worked in PR, marketing, media and mm-hmm. travelled the world like 50 countries, three round-the-world trips of a year each. So I came to Australia 04, end of 04, had my son in the UK, so arrived here with a 10-month-old backpack, uh, no possessions, not much money, and started from scratch here in terms of contacts and things because all that contacts and business. And, yeah, so it was three years later when I had my second child that I started that business. Right, yeah. Well, you know what's crazy? You've got you, you've done six businesses from startup, mm-hmm. from scratch, right? Yep. What do you think it the DNA in you <laughs> – is about to be able to do that from such a young age at 17 um, and then to do the online. What is it in you that drives you or just says that you can do it or thinks that you've got the permission to do it? What's that? What's the self-talk goes on there? Yeah, um, it's a good question. So, I mean, in terms of DNA, I did not grow up with parents who are in any shape or form business people. So, dad was a teacher mm-hmm. and mum worked part um, as an accounts clerk or was a full-time mum so and there wasn't really people in my immediate network family or friends you know friends of the family who were business people so it definitely wasn't influenced by that um mm. the first business when I was 17 I was actually in the New Zealand water polo school girls team and mm. it was an unfunded and I needed money and my parents didn't have the money to pay for the uniforms and trips and things, quite an expensive sport. So the original motivation, to be honest, for the newspaper was um, money. I needed to fundraise and I was finding the sausage sizzles and cake stalls weren't really cutting it, so I needed big (laughs) injections of money. So when I realised, you know, I've done a bit of journalism, maybe to start a newspaper, maybe people will buy advertising. And when back then, you know, $200 for a full-page ad, that was like a huge amount of money to Mm. a 17-year-old. That's when I was like, this is cool. I'm getting money and I don't have to go and do another sausage sizzle or car wash. So <laughs> that was the original motive. <laughs> um, I guess moving forward, though, um, I've realised along the way, though I've had a career, that I am, I say to people, a hopeless employee. I don't take direction well from other people. I, If, if something doesn't seem logical, I go, mm. that's stupid. I don't want to do it. And so if you've got a boss and you have to do what they say, there's a bit of a problem there. Um, I mean, I had a scenario in my career where I had two bosses and they were so different. One would tell you one thing, the other would tell you another thing, and you actually never felt like you moved forward. So I thrive off a sense of achievement. I have to, I'm quite mm-hmm. um, goal-orientated and I want to yeah. set a plan in place and might be the little Capricorn uh, star sign in me and I like to climb the top of the mountain and actually get somewhere because what are we doing it for otherwise if you're just there for you know, passing papers and wasting time, that just doesn't cut it for me. And I think nowadays um, what's part of my DNA is I like the lifestyle, flexibility. I like being able to block out time to go to something special for my kids. I like being able to go on holiday when I want, as often as I want, and work if I want or not work if I want. And I like having an uncapped earnings potential. So I'm not Mm. subject to performance review and asking pretty please can I have a pay rise I can um, basically engineer more money if I want to it's up to me how I manage my business and how I grow it and mm. so on so yeah, yeah. Quite motivated. Um, it, yeah it's quite interesting you just brought back a memory um, from when I was I think maybe 
18 or 19 and I think it took me a whole week to build up the courage to ask for a 53 cent pay rise to my boss and all I was asking was to be paid the award. (laughs) Um, You know, when you're talking about this, this, you know, not, you know, it's no DNA really from, from the parents and the way that you've come from, you know, a working class family. And I think a lot of us have, and I think this era now, um, you know, there's so many women being able to uh, create businesses and start businesses. And I find the ones that are truly successful are the ones that just just go for it. There's there's no um, hesitation. They're just it's full throttle. It's just fully fully throwing themselves in. What could you say to some of the ladies listening that are in the startup phase, but maybe they're still looking over their shoulder or maybe they're still um, in an R and if it's really right for them. Um, what's some just great advice that you could give them just to be able to dive in or to really just believe in themselves to take their business to that next level? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's worth noting that I've actually had along the way absolutely no capital. So everything I've done, I've done by creating money and reinvesting and then growing. So I've never great had point. a business loan. I've never had a credit card, an overdraft or anything like that, which I'm really proud of. And there's been times where things have been really tight, but I've still made it work. So I guess if women are out there going, I'm not making it work because I don't have initial capital, mm-hmm. that's not all the case. It depends on the business. Some businesses you do need assets and initial investment and some you don't. <clears throat> I think um, you are going to get naysayers. So definitely along the way I've told had people tell me and it's really difficult if you have people close to you, like close friends, family members, even partners who yeah, have told you this isn't going to work, you shouldn't do it. Um, I would say to that, just keep going if you believe in it. And that's the other point is passion. If you've got to be super passionate and believe in this thing you're creating um, because you've got to get out of bed every morning, even when things aren't going so well, even when it's raining, even when there's a big problem to solve. So, um, make sure that you're passionate about it in the moment that you're not. Probably it's time to walk away from it or move mm. on. Um, and just know that half the thing, I think, is survival and just persistence, like sticking with it. Um, I mean, I know plenty. I think, this, you know, the rates for startups are terrible. Something like 90% fail yeah. is first three, probably no exact stat. But the difference between maybe those that keep going is just that they somehow work out how to um, – you know, cash flow it and grow. Um, apparently the two main things that make them fail is cash flow. And because yeah. sometimes it's not that you haven't won the business, build the business, it's that people haven't paid you. So there's actually no money in the bank, even though you're doing a fantastic job. Um, but it's also growth and that's either not growing big enough, fast enough, or sometimes growing too fast as well. So yeah, yeah. I'd probably say one of the um, the biggest challenges at the moment with most of the, the women that I think listen to Cashflow Candy is being able to get that cash in their business. And, you know, my calibre is actually teaching sales and, you know, your business is nothing without money. The business just will not grow. And it's how do, how do we get that cash in and how do we get it in fast? And sometimes I feel that the women might fluff around trying to do all the behind the scenes stuff, get the logos pretty, get the website pretty, when really just want to get that cash in as fast as we can. I feel the more that they stall doing the behind the scenes, um, I feel that the bigger the fear actually builds up and actually making that business grow financially. Um, how yeah. did you how did you get the collective, the creative collective up and running? Like how long did it take you really to start seeing a great return on investment? 
And I know that you said actually didn't invest the t- money, but what about like the time? How long did it take to really start to go, yeah, cool, this is, we're on to something? Yeah, um, probably six months. And I guess I'm a bit, <clears throat> excuse me, lucky in that I had the skills to build myself a website to do a graphic design, though I did get help because I wanted to make sure it was good and it wasn't just my perspective, and to get business cards. And they were really my only initial costs. I do remember writing a big list, though, of stuff I ideally would have, like a better computer, like a printer. I didn't even have a printer. Um, yeah. <laughs> like a and you don't need it now. <laughs> And I've got a commercial building and all sorts of things. But I started off and I wrote, I remember it, a really overwhelming list of these are all the things I kind of need. And thinking, God, I can't even imagine when or how I'm going to get them. Mm. Um, so I just started offering my services. One thing I did early on, which is a good tip for, I guess, leveraging growth, was I put out a survey. And this is really popular these days. And I basically asked a bunch of small businesses, um, do you have a website? Because people didn't really have them then. Are you happy with it? Do you sell things online? And I was getting a feeling of where the market was at. I, I checked them on price point and all of this. But through that process, I actually built a database of a captive audience of people that were sales leads. So that's how I got started on that front. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess, yeah, I started doing a few clients. I did a good job. Guess what? They referred. So that's how I got started. Mm-hmm. Um so worked really hard on doing a good job and then I quickly realized that I was restricted to the hours in the day I had and of course having a baby daughter she started um, crawling and then it's all on and you'd walk in and there'd be files all over your office or you were finding there was less time to do work so then I realized I have to leverage my time it was a really yeah. early lesson as well so I actually went well there has to be other mums out there who are clever like me but just happened to have had a baby just because you have a baby doesn't mean you lose your brain. So I used the site uh, of a woman um, who became a good friend of mine, um, careermums.com.au, and I advertised for contractors in market a range of marketing services. And then I even um, ended up getting my neighbour from across the road to help me with things <laughs> that I hate doing and that were taking up a lot of my time. So that's a good tip. Work out what mm. you hate doing and that takes yeah. a lot of your time. Outsource those first. So my first things to be outsourced was my filing because I'm a piler, not a filer. It just never happens. <laughs> I don't get off I'm not good at it. I'm just a good creator, not a good sort of fix it up at the end. And then I hate. I'm not good at form. I haven't been good, but I've definitely honed my skills over the years in finances. So I got a bookkeeper to start entering all that and making sure I was, you know, compliant and making sure um, I was able to monitor how I was going in business. So I was a really early adopter of zero. Um, I started using it in 2009. So yeah, a few tips. so important, so important, especially just to to know the the growth of the business and your your profit and loss. And I think a lot of women take a while to sort of get into that, um, and to really see what the numbers are really actually telling them. Um, you've, yeah, I think you've, yeah, sorry, go I just add, um, that people do I think fluff around sometimes on getting stuff ready, and maybe it's out of fear of actually launching, mm. but also they don't realise how soon how soon weeks go and money's going out when you create a business so you've got to be making sure you do it so I would say in the early times and really you should just operate like this always do the task that will get you money or the most money and do the other stuff later so you know if it's nice to tweak around with your brand on Canva you've just got to ask yourself will this actually make me money and if that won't look at all the other tasks you could be doing and do that task first the one that will make you money 
Absolutely. Yeah. I support that 100%. It's the 80-20 rule, isn't it, the Pareto principle, that 80% of the tasks that you do are probably going to bring in about 20% income um, or a result, really, which will, for business, everything will relate to the income of the business, where 20% of those tasks will be that 80% return. So it's like, what are your 20 percenters? Do them first. And the other thing I normally say is that, that downtime and uptime. So if, like you say, if you want to make it pretty on Canva, maybe that's a downtime task where you can't be talking to people and networking negotiating um, you know closing deals um, and, and do that more as a downtime task you've got three businesses now and um, we, we chatted before the actual interview started you said you've just acquired a business as well so tell me about the growth like how did the growth happen was this something organically that happened with the business where there was more needs and you guys could create that service or are they completely different types of um, businesses um, they, there's always been a reason and I think you have to have a really good reason to create a business and then keep reviewing why am I in business and what am I offering and, and you should pivot and change and evolve and especially in the market I operate in, it's very fast moving, it's kind of essential. So the Creative Collective was started as a full service creative agency, like I said, because I sort of had all those skills. I then leveraged and got other contractors, which at the time that model was really unusual it's very common now um before then I had business consultants saying don't do that get employees it's much you know more reliable and it'll be less money than paying top rates for contractors well then the GFC hit and I was so glad I had because I didn't have people on payroll and wages Mm -hmm. and I could pay them and not pay them at all if I didn't have the work so it was much more um flexible like that um can you remind me? I was just, I was just yeah, yeah. Um, I was just saying, like, how did they actually come? Did they sort of evolve, or was it just um, the needs? And you're saying that it's really important to continually pivot and change. Yeah, that's right. The businesses. So, um, the don't you love those mind blanks? I had those mind blanks when I was pregnant all the time. I was doing a radio interview, and in the middle of the radio interview, I went, "Can you ask me that again? I have totally forgotten the question." <laughs> we'll blame the bungalow line I had last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah so the other businesses. Yeah, so that that happened and then um, you've got to evolve. So um, I started offering social media services early, 2008, and then I saw a need for training in that space as well. Mm -hmm. So 2009, um, we actually won a contract with government. So that's another little tip. Just because you're small, just because you've never done it before, look for those opportunities. Um, The government websites are so much better than they used to be. They used to be like an absolute jungle to work your way through. Um, but then now they're much user-friendly. Um, we applied for a tender, which kind of, I guess, helped a big leap of growth. We could hire people based on that contract, mm-hmm. and um, that launched our foray into offering digital skills training. Um, we were the first people to offer webinars to small businesses um, through the Queensland government. That was wow. back in, yeah, 2009, That's 2010. such a great tip, um, Yvette. No one's ever mentioned that. Thank you so much. That's just brilliant. No worries. Well, I mean, there's tenders.gov.au and then there's grants.gov.au. And on both those locations, you can find grants and tenders and set up alerts. And I'd highly recommend it and do it on your council um, website and other channels as well. So it was what happened then. Um, Things were going okay. I franchised in 2008. So that was a growth strategy I played with as well. Um, I ended up only taking on two franchisees. Um, One was performing really well out of Newcastle. I had two young girls who were sisters out of the Gold Coast who probably in hindsight were a little bit young and not as hungry as I thought they were. They were Mm -hmm. sort of suggesting work there yet 
Gold Coast was a bigger market and I continued to thrive in a smaller market, Sunshine Coast. So um, there was a lot of discussions about the approaches and sales. Anyway, um, come end of 2013, I had a bit of a shake-up. And sometimes, I guess, you've ever been cruising along okay in business, which I guess we had. Um, sometimes it all goes to custard and it's you've just got to believe it's all for a reason. So I had a senior staff member who was sort of like my second in charge. I'd groomed him straight from university. He knew the business inside and out and I could trust him any time I had to go off with the kids or have a holiday. He decided to leave, so that left quite a big gap. Mm-hmm. In doing so, it exposed another staff member wasn't really performing. I realised he'd sort of been covering for him a lot. So that I just started feeling like getting a bit tricky and then um, the franchises, I wasn't really happy with that model because amongst that landscape, the government kept requiring you to update your legals for franchises because other people in the franchise space were doing dodgy stuff. And that was, you had to pay and pay and pay all these lawyers, whether you were growing or not, which was a huge business expense. So I kind of went, right, it's time to take stock. And um, at that point, I talked to the franchise was performing really well in Newcastle. She'd had her first child, and we decided to go into business together. So that was my first foray into having a business partner. And in doing that deal, I restructured everything and took the training side out. So that's how second business, I guess, evolved. It became from a division to its actual own company that I still own 100% which is called the Training Collective. And to this day, the Creative Collective, um, I own 50% shares in with my amazing business partner, Katrina Lees, who's out of Newcastle. So um, Mm. that has been awesome because we've kind of got hedged bets on the market and that if people come to us for training, we can give them training. And then when they go, gosh, there's quite a lot to Facebook advertising. I don't think I've got time for this. Um, Can you just do it? We say, sure, come over to the Creative Collective. And when they come to us for services on creative collective and then say you know what I've got a team would really like to learn how to do this or some part of it we say sure come over to training collective and then we have all these different products and yeah um, just great it sounds like it can just pollinate from one to the other yeah so we very Mm. much see them as um, sister companies yeah and uh, I've got but I should pause for breath anyway. <laughs> Yvette, tell me um, biggest learning with um, getting a business partner because some of the women are in the growth phase, like listen to Cashflow Candy, and they're in that growth phase and maybe they're looking at um, having that support because, you know, business can be quite lonely at the top as well um, or, you know, having someone to collaborate with or maybe being able to be able to get some more capital into their business. What have you learned really um, getting business partners on or, you know, the decision of making that first business partner yeah um I have heard a lot of bad stories with business partners like the moment I said oh, I'm getting a business partner there were so many people who said oh my god mine went so bad or I know someone and it all went you know and you hear more sort of bad stories than good but um I think I learned my first business partner story when I was 17 and I you know effectively did my first business deal with this mm. American guy I bought paper out and at that stage um it didn't work at all because he his, our values were different. I think it all comes back to that. He mm-hmm. was American. He wanted to make this newspaper be all Americanized. He was an adult. I was a, a still at school. I understood the market. They were our audience. And he didn't want to listen and he wasn't sort of flexible. So I learned very quickly then your values have got to align. So one of the first things we did when we were exploring whether we should go into business partnership is talk about the end goal. What did we both want out of life? personally like even houses partners all of it like laid all on the line and um what do we want out of it professionally and also looked really critically at our skill sets and where they intersected and where they were complementary 
And what we've worked out over time is that she's very strong in operations, logistics, finance, and in systems, and I'm very strong on sort of business development, strategy, marketing. So we've kind of got those two bases covered, but, you know, we – We've even got to the points we've worked together for 10 years now. It's almost telepathic. We'll go on a Google Doc and we'll be typing the same thing into the same cell or we'll go That's to sleep. That's really freaky. Um, so I'm really blessed that I've had that long-term relationship with her and it was business first and friends later. And I count her as a very mm-hmm. dear friend now rather than friends first and business later, which I think could be dodgy mm-hmm. unless you really really done your due diligence on your values and planning. It can't just be, yeah, let's go into business together. I think that would be really dangerous. <laughs> I think you've, um, it's great that you said like the business first and how you've laid everything out. Like you both put your business hat on, um, checked your, your values and, and really just had a really concrete conversation about what you both want, what the expectations are. Um, I think that's brilliant. Um, before we go, and I know you've got a you've got a um, another call. So before we wrap it up, you have a list longer than most people's arms in awards. Can you tell me um, just some advice that you could give to some of the ladies that um, maybe don't think that they're ready to go into awards, don't feel like they've got enough under their belt? What's a piece of advice you could give them that could really, you know, from your experience entering awards? Sure. So. Um in my journey of building my business, I started entering business awards because like lots of startups or early stage businesses, I went, I don't have an, a lot of marketing dollars. Um, whatever I do, I need to get a return on my investment, whether that's my time I'm investing or money. And I sort of went, hmm, business awards. So if I can win them, then I might get some media, which would be good. Then I might meet some cool people, partners and so on. So I entered my first business awards program in 2007, which was the Queensland Small Business Champions Awards, which still exists. And I was absolutely blown away because I was literally six months into business when I was <laughs> awarded um, Young Entrepreneur of the Year in that. Um, from that, I got TV exposure on Channel 9, Qantas in Flight TV, Vodafone's website, some huge distribution channels. And from that, I got a lot of inquiry. And then I sort of stood up and took notice and went, these awards are pretty good. I've got to enter some more. So then I went to, I just went straight to the top because I'm a bit ballsy like that. And I thought, <laughs> well, if I can win the Queensland one, I'll just enter some international one, give it a crack. Even if I just meet cool people, it'll be a good experience. And even the process of completing an awards application is very maybe therapeutic's not the right word. It's very reflective. Mm. It helps you really figure out where you're at in business, where you're strong, where you're weak, and what to do without paying a business consultant. So I did um, enter the International um, Women in Business Awards, which are part of the Stevie Awards program, became a finalist in 2008, went to New York by myself, left my babies age five and two behind, really hard to do. And um, I didn't win, but as you do, I went nightclubbing with the CEO afterwards. And he, I said to him, how do you promote these awards? Because I just fluked it on an American site. And he said, we need someone down under, as they say, to promote these. Do you want to do it? You're a PR girl. And I said, I, I did deliberate because I thought, oh, my God, I've got this business. I've got these babies. I don't have time for other stuff. <laughs> and I talked to girls who had been finalists who were Americans and sort of were more familiar with the program and they said are you crazy if he's offered you that you should do it so I did do that so another hat I wear is the regional coordinator for the Stevie Awards in Australia and New Zealand so my the um, opportunity to enter these international awards of which there's several there's the international business awards they're the most prestigious business awards around there's the women's program which I was in 
There's a Sales and Customer Service Awards. As of the last three or four years, there's the Asia Pacific Awards and there's others. So, yeah, I get now a real kick after um, entering not only those um, New York ones, but I actually was lucky enough to win a Telstra Business Women's Award in 2010 in the business owner category, which I was still working out of a garage. My turnover wasn't that huge. So hopefully those listening don't not enter because you don't think your business is earning enough or doing enough or it's based from home. Doesn't matter. Just enter. Like I'm testament to the fact that we'll take a look at you and even maybe award you a finalist or winning position. Um, I won a 2013 IT Woman of the Year nationally, which was absolutely amazing. But as a result of all of that, and then I guess the connection to the CV Awards, people started asking me, oh, how do you enter business awards? Can you help me? And I'm limited in time, and I realised there was really a lot of interest in it. So, you know, ever the entrepreneur created another business called awardshub.com. So these days you can go onto awardshub.com and for just $29 – Enter all your criteria, your gender, where you live, how old, et cetera, your industries, and it'll spit you out a super-duper list of business awards you could enter. That's fabulous. So that's awardshub.com. Is that correct? Awardshub.com. $29, they put their details in. They get a list of all the different awards they can enter, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's right. Fabulous. Awesome, ladies. Um, ju- make sure you jump onto that. And I just love that Yvette um, you know, started entering the awards and her business is only six months old. <laughs> she was working out the garage. <laughs> so um, that's just so inspirational for others. Um, thank you so much. And I knew that you I knew you had such a long list. I don't even know how you remember them all, but um, you had such a long list. I just knew there was going to be value there that you can add to these ladies that continually stall and keep putting it off where really they could get their name out there as well and like you said leveraging and getting that free PR like you are just such an entrepreneurial mindset I just I'm so glad that Mimi reached out um to to get in contact with you because you have just given I don't know how many um amazing um needle movers in this conversation I know we've been going the speed of light (laughs) um but yeah thank you so much aware that I don't just you know think of myself as done it having done it all myself I very much think of myself as all together with everyone so get a good support team beautiful uh Yvette thank you so much I really appreciate all the information I can't wait to get this out um to all the Cashflow Candy listeners um and yeah wishing you all the best and we can't wait to see what's to come with the new acquisition that you've um got on in the business and see what that is in the couple of weeks time it will be great to see I'll be keeping an eye on you very closely thank you thanks for having me on thanks very much Are you selling your products or services one-on-one and continually saying the same thing over and over again, thinking there has to be an easier way? That's where learning to sell on webinars is key. Annette Lakovic's six-figure webinar sales system will help you grow your list fast, transform your sales, and get your business out there in a much bigger way. If you're a service-based business, coach, consultant, sell information, education products, or courses, then you must start truly leveraging webinars. Webinars will take your business to the next level and help you serve more customers, stop you having to sell the one-on-one model, and start with the one-to-many, giving you more time to work on your business or just have more freedom to do the things you love. The six-figure webinar sales system is a simple step-by-step training system that not only creates hunger and desire for your customers to buy through webinars, but generates a robust sales funnel to keep building your empire. From crafting your talk to getting bums on seats, 
Heck, she's even giving you Facebook training to drive more traffic. You can grab it now for 50% off with your Cashflow Candy listeners code. Just type in Cashflow50, all one word at the checkout. 